I call free, I call that mind free, which masters the senses and which recognizes its own reality and greatness, which passes life, not in asking what it shall eat or drink, but in hungering, thirsting, and seeking after righteousness. I call that mind free, which jealously guards its intellectual rights and powers, which does not content itself with a passive or hereditary faith, which opens itself to light whensoever it may come, which receives new truth as an angel from heaven. I call that mind free, which is not passively framed by outward circumstances and is not the creature of accidental impulse which discovers everywhere the radiant signatures of the infinite spirit and in them finds help to its own spiritual enlargement. I call that mind free, which protects itself against the usurpations of society and which does not cower to human opinion, which refuses to be the slave or tool of the many or of the few and guards its empire over itself as nobler than the empire of the world. I call that mind free which resists the bondage of habit, which does not mechanically copy the past nor live on its old virtues, but which listens for new and higher monitions of conscience and rejoices to pour itself forth in fresh and higher exertions. These words, found in the back of our hymnal, are a selection from the writings of the great William Ellery Channing, a renowned Unitarian minister, and one of the giants of Unitarian and now Unitarian Universalist theology. I have used this reading in a number of different worship settings, and I think it's brilliant on many levels. It speaks to one of the most important parts of Unitarian Universalist theology, that we are all on a free and responsible search for truth and meaning in our lives. If there is anything Unitarian Unitarian Universalism asks of us theologically, given that we don't have a creed, it's to engage on this search and this quest. The need for a free mind is one of the central reasons that both Unitarianism and Universalism, before they merged, were both moving away from creeds and more traditional Christian belief systems. Unitarians and Universalists alike were thinking men and women, people who challenged norms, who challenged existing culture, who challenged ways of being and acting that were oppressive and harmful to themselves and to others. I call that mind free, which protects itself against the usurpations of society and which does not cower to human opinion. As Channing so eloquently writes, we must stand on our own, we must think for ourselves, We must ultimately answer to nothing but our own truth and our own conscience. And yet, as often happens when we try to correct course after having gone to one extreme, we sometimes go to the other. Let me pick out some of the words and phrases from what Channing wrote. I call that mind free, which recognizes its own reality and greatness, which jealously guards its intellectual rights and powers, which protects itself against the usurpations of society and which does not cower to human opinion. Well, sometimes we need to hear other people's opinions. Sometimes we're not right. So Channing is not wrong. It is indeed important to be grounded in ourselves, 
And it is especially important to stand up to communities, whether they are community, our communities of church communities, city communities, or state communities, when they are doing things that are wrong and harmful. But I do see some danger in Channing's words, as beautiful as they are, of going too far in the other extreme. A colleague of mine shared this story with me about her first day on the job. She was walking around the building, checking out her new digs, and decided to visit the sanctuary. As she entered, she was immediately struck by the sun pouring in from the outside, the radiant colors in the stained glass windows, and the deep meditative silence. Given that it was a Monday, and that she had the sanctuary all to herself, she decided to sit down in a pew for a minute or two, close her eyes, and just soak in both the sun and the quiet. Just a few moments into her quiet time, though, a clunking sound made her almost jump out of her skin. She opened her eyes and looked around, but there wasn't anyone there. It was an old building, and so she thought maybe it was just a pipe shifting or something, so she closed her eyes again. This was a different sound. A thunk, or clunk, not a thunk, but there's something going on. So she's like, what's going on? She called out, hello? And she was surprised to hear her responding, hello, from the front of the sanctuary. Looking around and still not seeing anyone, she stood up and she started walking towards the front, where she finally found the source of the sound. There was a teenager sitting up front, sitting cross-legged on the floor, polishing the church silver. And this was one of those old New England churches, so they did still indeed have the old communion silver. So my colleague was surprised, of course, since she wasn't expecting to see a youth sitting there polishing silver on the sanctuary on a Monday afternoon, but she thought she should, you know, at least share some appreciation. So she said, thank you. And the youth responded, you're welcome, but this is actually a penance. As the minister would come to find out, this youth had engaged in a prank with several other members of the youth group. The prank itself wasn't terrible, just some teenagers being teenagers, doing something mildly inappropriate and slightly irresponsible. The problem was that they did the prank in the youth room, and being of the Twitter, Facebook, cell phone generation, they of course took pictures. (laughs) Pictures that showed the name Unitarian Universalist, in the background. Pictures that circulated to the rest of the youth group, of course, and that an adult eventually found and reported to the church. The interim minister felt fairly strongly that not only was this prank a significant breach of the youth group covenant, but she was worried that those pictures were going to be pasted on Facebook. And she was worried that enough of the world already thought that Unitarian Universalists were weirdos and that we didn't need any more bad press. The punishment that was decided on, in consultation with the youth director, was that the youth involved must write a letter of apology to the minister, a letter of apology to the youth director, that the youth involved were banned for three months from attending any youth group activities, and that each of the perpetrators must perform an act of service to the church to be decided on by the interim minister. So this brings us back to my colleague, newly settled in her congregation, discovering a teenager doing penance in the sanctuary, polishing silver. What my colleague didn't find out until much later was that in a a conversation with the teenager's father was that the youth had made a very particular choice. 
She got that she had made a mistake. But she was also pretty clear that she thought that the punishment was too extreme and didn't match the level of what they had done. So her dad said to her, Well, listen, you have a choice here. How important is the institution to you? You don't have to accept this punishment. You could just quit and go and find another church or some other group of kids to hang out with. Or you could accept the punishment and stay with the church. The question is, how important is this organization to you? How much meaning does it bring to your life? Is it worth playing by the rules in this case, even if you disagree with them, so that you can stay part of the community? It impressed me, the advice that this father gave. There are some Unitarian Universalist parents I know who, if they thought that their child was being wronged in some way, would fight tooth and nail. They would kick and scream and yell, mostly politely, and would try and stand up for their kids' rights. And it impressed me that this young woman chose to stick with her church, even though on an individual level she felt there was an injustice happening. I know some Unitarian Universalist youth who, if they thought they were wronged, would, just like their parents, fight tooth and nail, kicking and screaming and yelling, mostly politely, to see that justice was served. And if they felt justice wasn't served, parents and children alike, some of them would leave. The teenager polishing the service, the silver, she stayed. My friend Wendy also chose to stay. Wendy was raised Catholic and is still a practicing Catholic today. She loves her faith tradition. She loves being Catholic. And she passionately, desperately needs and wants to serve in the ministry. And there's a catch with that, of course, which is that Catholics don't let women be priests. This didn't stop Wendy, though. She enrolled in seminary. She got her Master's of Divinity degree. And she even went through all the steps that would be required of a minister going through the process of trying to become a minister of training at great financial cost to herself. She doesn't know exactly what she's going to do yet. She's still trying to figure out how she can do ministry within the Catholic Church. But she is going to do ministry, and she is going to do it as a Catholic, no matter what. Now, Wendy's choice isn't for everyone. For some folks, the faith tradition they grew up with just isn't a good fit. And certainly, in some really important ways, Catholicism is not a good fit for Wendy. But Wendy, just like the teenager in the earlier story, made a choice that her organization, her institution, her faith tradition, was more important than her individual needs. And she is sticking with it and working hard to try and make things better for Catholic women now and Catholic women who will come after her. This tension between individual freedom and the larger community happens all the time. I heard it most recently when talking with congregants over at All Souls about the vote on whether to relocate the congregation downtown. Some folks were personally against the move. They had grown up in the church in the current building, or some of them had held a memorial service for a family member there and had scattered ashes in the memorial garden. They had all sorts of attachments and reasons for not wanting to move downtown. 
And yet some of these same folks who didn't want to move also were looking at the institution as a whole and thinking about what in the long term was probably best for the church. And many of them, not all of them, decided that for the institution, it was better to move, even if that wasn't what they personally wanted. And many of these people, not all, but many, cast their votes to move downtown. The fourth Unitarian Universalist principle states that UU congregations affirm and promote a free and responsible search for truth and meaning. Too often, I think, Unitarian Universalists interpret, interpret that principle as I am on a free and responsible search for truth and meaning. And they are right, of course. At its core, no one else is on your life journey, and each individual does need to find their own truths. The thing is, there's a very important we that is part of that process. In addition to I am on a free and responsible search, we are all also on a free and responsible search for truth and meaning together. When we search together, we learn more. When I hear your opinion that is different from mine, you push me to broaden my perspective. When you share your story of wisdom and inspiration, it deepens my experience and understanding. And this is but one of the ways the community is a vital part of the Unitarian Universalist experience. I can work to help feed the hungry on my own, but we can have a much greater impact if we work together to cook meals or donate canned goods together as a congregation. I can work towards fighting racial injustice on my own, but we can work together to gather political power and make our voices heard. I can struggle through my grief on my own after a loved one dies, but we as a community can be there for each other and help support one another. There is great power in I and in our personal truths and journeys. But like anything, too much of it can be a bad thing. When I am feeling lost and down and perhaps even a little bit in despair, we can come together to help lift you up, to remind you that you are good and worthy and loved. There are many times where our free mind our individual expression, our individual rights and needs do need to be stood up for and made a priority. There are also times where community is more important. Times where it's more important to polish the silver, where it's more important to stay Catholic, where it's more important to vote for what's best for the congregation, even if it may not be best for you. In a culture which champions individuality, individual expression, and individual rights, Choosing the needs of the community over your own can be a radical statement, a radical living out of your values. As you continue on your sacred personal journey towards greater truth and meaning in your life, don't forget to be a radical sometimes and honor the part of this journey that is this sacred community of Hope Unitarian Church. <laughs>